JKP Films presents If Cain Were Able. Episode 1. And so it begins here with Mark McKinty, who's sitting behind the BBC News desk. He's shuffling some papers on his desk. Then he smiles, looks directly into the camera and says, Good evening. My name is Mark McKinty and this is the BBC 10 o'clock news. The aptly named blue-blooded killer who preys upon society's elite has brutally struck again. Unfortunately, the brother of Lord Colson, who is one of the most outspoken and influential members of the House of Lords, was horrifically murdered last night. A reputable source has informed us that Scotland Yard has been left baffled by the long list of murders of society's elite. Even though Scotland Yard has focused all of its attention on finding this predator, it seems like they are no closer to capturing him than they were when they started their search. According to our source, many of society's elite have been lobbying the government and trying to get them to take a stronger form of action. Right now, we are joined by the Prime Minister, John Adams, who is currently in 10 Downing Street. Good evening, Prime Minister. Good evening, Mark. Is it true that Scotland Yard are really no closer to catching the blue-blooded killer? I am confident that the police will soon catch the maniac who calls himself the blue-blooded killer. I have personally brought together all of Britain's most prominent psychologists, scientists and psychopathologists to help Scotland Yard not only deal with the apprehension of the blue-blooded killer, but to that, also... That sounds brilliant, but isn't it true that Scotland Yard are nowhere near closer to catching the blue-blooded killer? As I just said, I have the utmost confidence in the police. But... The country should rest assured that we have this situation under control. I assure you that the police are chasing down valuable leads as we speak, and when we capture this vermin, he will be housed in Barking's new prison, which has been built to house prisoners of Hold this on. nature. Hold on, Prime Minister. I think we have Helena Clark, who is one of the MPs from the main opposition party on the line. Hello, Helena, are you there? Hello, Mark. Yes, I'm here. Thank you for joining us, Helena. It's a pleasure, Mark. I take it you've just heard what the Prime Minister has to say about the search for the blue-blooded killer. Yes, I did, Mark. Please, share your views on this matter. I think it's clear to everyone that this Prime Minister is way out of his depth at the moment, and his inability to catch this killer in a promptly manner just shows his incompetence hold and the incompetence of his government, hold who are... Hold on, hold on! That is not fair! As, you cannot... As I was just saying, the Prime Minister's incompetence and the incompetence of his government is putting the country as a whole in danger. It's high time that we got a leader and a party in charge who can lead us and deal with difficult matters like this. That is preposterous. Helena is trying to sensationalise and use this horrible situation to bolster the image of her and her party. Quite simply, what she is doing is crude, unethical and dangerous for the British public. I mean, how can you disregard the pain of the relatives of the blue-blooded killer's victims and try to use this tragedy for a PR opportunity, Helena? The As I was saying earlier, the we have this situation under control and we will apprehend the blue-blooded killer shortly. But... No, I'm sorry. I've got another pressing meeting and I've got to go. 
Well, there you have it. If you believe our Prime Minister, the police will soon apprehend the blue-blooded killer, something they haven't been able to do for the last six years. Well, we will definitely keep you informed about any updates to this story, but for now, over to Kelly Shields with the weather. A few hours later, the Prime Minister is sitting at the head of a large table in a conference room at 10 Downing Street. Around the table are a number of Britain's most prominent scientists, psychologists, police chiefs and the police commissioner. OK, people. You're all here because you're this country's best and brightest and your country needs you. Not just to capture the blue-blooded killer, but also to bring an end to this type of tyranny that this kind of vermin forces upon society. Now, Dr Minka, can you please give us a profile of the person that we're looking for? We're dealing with an extremely intelligent, unempathetic loner who has a grudge against society's elite. He likely had suffered abuse as a child. He likely had took his anger out against small animals when he was younger and then progressed on to killing bigger things. Does everybody agree with this assessment? Yes. 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 Uh-huh. yes. Yeah. yes. yes. Okay, now we know who we're looking for. Please tell me how we're going to capture him. Meanwhile, in Eve Hope's office, Eve is busy working. Eve looks at the phone screen, sees her mother's number and presses ignore. She cleans her hands with antibacterial gel. Eve looks at the clock and then presses answer on the phone. Eve, where the hell are you? I thought you said you were going to be here at five o'clock. I'm sorry, Mum, I'm busy. I've been so busy at work. Busy? After hours at work on your birthday? Really, Eve? I wasn't born yesterday. I know you knew I organised a surprise party for you, and that's why you didn't come. I didn't know. Yeah, whatever, Eve. You know, you are 37 year old now. You can't keep acting like this. By the time I was your age, I already was married with two kids. Mum, I swear I didn't know. Should I come over now? Why? It's 12 o'clock now. Everybody's gone home. And I've packed away all the food. I really don't know what I'm going to do with you. Sorry, Mum. Yeah, right. I bet you are. The very next afternoon, the Prime Minister is at an orphanage with his wife, Delilah Adams. He is very loving and attentive to his wife. After many pictures and meeting people, they make their way home. Once they reach there, he goes to his office to read the newspapers and she makes her way to the kitchen. The Prime Minister sits down and opens the Guardian. Right on the second page, he sees a picture of his wife at a Greenpeace rally. He gets up. What the hell were you doing at the Greenpeace rally? Trying to do my bit to save the planet. Delilah, do you know how much pressure I'm under right now with the search for this blue-bloody killer and with the general election on the way? Yeah, I understand you're under pressure, darling, but, you know, I've always been passionate about these things. To hell with your passions! If you spent more time on trying to reverse what's wrong with your barren womb instead of these 
frivolous things, then maybe I wouldn't be behind in the opinion polls. Oh, that's not fair. But it's true. The leader of the opposition is seen as a true family man because he has a wife and kids, but I'm seen as less of a man because of your desolate womb. <laughs> Delilah cries whilst she makes her way to the garden and does some gardening. As she tends to her flowers and her plants, she remembers her mother smacking her and regularly telling her that she'll never amount to nothing whilst they were in their grotty council flat. She also remembers being taken into care by social services and getting a scholarship to an upper-class boarding school because she was smart and the other kids bullying her because she was different and poor. The next day, Eve walks into the canteen at work alone. Sam Steed is sitting at a table with a load of scientists. He looks up at Eve Hope, smiles and signals for her to come over and join them. Eve takes out her phone and pretends to be on a call. She signals to Sam that she's on the phone and then makes her way to a table where no one's sitting and continues to pretend she's on the phone for five minutes. Sam keeps on watching her. As Eve answers the phone, Sam looks at her with disappointment and shakes his head. Meanwhile, the police commissioner, Steve Rivers, is talking to the joint CID task force who have been searching for the blue-blooded killer. Lisa Rayner is one of the detectives at the talk. Okay, people. I was speaking to the Prime Minister earlier on today, and he has informed me that he has the utmost confidence that we will capture this killer shortly. He has also informed me that he is willing to spare no expense to bring an end to the tyranny of the blue-blooded killer. He has informed me that he will do whatever he can to help us with our search. So, with that said and done, we need a result, people. And we need a result soon. Okay, that's enough said. Let's get out there and let's do some good police work. We want good old-fashioned policing on this one. Old-fashioned policing. Chase down every lead you have. Talk to the public and your snitches. And make sure we catch this maniac before he kills again. The next day, Sally Shaw is having lunch with her father. The waiter comes over. He has a guitar strapped to his back and a cake in his hands. He puts the cake in front of Sally and he and her dad start singing. Sally smiles from ear to ear. Oh, I'm so proud of you, Sally. And your mum would be proud of you too if she was still here. You know everything you've done, 
everything you've done in your 26 years on this earth, it's just quite simply amazing. I'm so lucky to have you as a daughter. I love you so much, Sally. Thank you, Dad. I love you too. Hours later in Scotland Yard, Detective Lee Serena is sitting at her desk. She's going through the blue-blooded killer's case file. The working day is over and everyone else went home hours ago. Lisa stops typing for a moment and looks at the brainstorm diagram on the wall. She reads Dr. Minka's profile of the blue-blooded killer. What am I missing? There must be a piece of information somewhere here which will lead me closer to you. No one can be this clinical all the time. What do we know? We know you target the elite. Why? Maybe you feel hard done by by them, or... Maybe you're just... jealous. What else? What else is there? You're clinical, patient, and extremely calculated. Where others would start to spiral, you remain composed as always, never rushing. Are you trying to tell us something in your own twisted way? If so, what? Lisa looks at all of the blue-blooded killer's victims on the brainstorm diagram. She writes down, Do the victims have anything else in common? And then draws a large question mark. She looks at all of the suspects who have already been crossed off the list. Why do I keep getting the feeling that you're hiding in plain sight, but we can't see you? Because we're looking in all the wrong places. The next day, after work, Sally Shaw is writing in her diary. She writes down, You know what I hate? I hate it when my boss says to me, Oh, can you work earlier today and stay later? I don't even get paid overtime. I hate it so much, but he always does it and me like an idiot. Even though I want to say no, what do I say? Yes, of course I can. Of course, no problem. She also writes down how she hates the fact that her and three of her colleagues are supposed to have a carpool to work, but she's the only one who always gets lumbered with the task of driving them to work. And not only that, they have the audacity to sometimes call her and ask her if she could take them to work earlier when they know she doesn't start until hours later. And what does she do? Ah, of course, she's Sally. So she just does it every time. She doesn't complain. She just does it. A few hours later, Kelly's in her house looking at her vision board. At the bottom of it, it says intern. A little bit above that, it says weather girl. Above that, it says Anchor Woman and Start Your Own Business. And a little higher up, it says Anchor Woman, Head Anchor Woman. And at the very top of the board, it says The Sky is the Limit.
Today you took one step towards your dream, Kelly, and tomorrow you will take one more step. Before you know it, you will achieve your dreams. The next day, Kelly is in her garden doing gardening. However, at that very moment, in outer space, the Titan, which is the first tourist spaceship to ever travel deep into outer space, is making its way back towards Earth. The pilot of the Titan looks out of his cockpit window and sees a meteor storm travelling towards his spaceship. He quickly tries to veer out of the way, but before he can, a meteor crashes into his left engine. Some organisms that came out of the meteor that exploded travel through the hole on the side of the Titan's engine into the Titan's spaceship, unaware of this. The pilot of the Titan picks up the radio. London! London! Please, somebody respond! We lost one of our engines and... London! 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 London, please somebody respond. The next day, somewhere in Bromley by Bow, Kelly Shields is standing in front of a group of teenage girls who were sitting down. The girls seem to be hanging on her every word. Sandra Hooper is sitting on the edge of her chair, carefully writing down everything Kelly says. She seems spellbound. I am each and every one of you. Just like you, I came from a working-class family. And just like some of you, I was bullied, overlooked and ignored until I realised how important I am. Ladies, I'm here to tell you that I am somebody and so are you. With self-determination, focus and hard work, I blossomed. Right now, I'm not only a weather girl, I've also created and run a Fortune 500 company, so no matter what anyone says to you in this world, I'm here to tell you that if I did it against all odds, then you can too. And not only that, I promise I will always be here to help each and every one of you achieve your dreams. Hours later in outer space, the pilot of the Titan picks up the radio again. London! London! Please, somebody respond! Like I said earlier, we lost one of our engines and... and after that everybody started to get sick of... I, I don't know what's happening! We can still fly, but they're probably going to crash land! We understand. We'll quarantine you as soon as you land. God be with you and get home safe. We'll see you soon. A few hours later, Eve Hope is sitting in her office looking through some files. Sam Steed pops his head through the doorway. Hi Eve, a couple of us are going out for drinks. Do you want to come? Um, no, thanks. Uh, maybe next time? Well, that's what you've been saying for the past five years, but whenever anyone asks you to come out, you never do. It's nothing personal, Sam. It's just not my thing. You know, when I first came here, everyone said that you were like a snow queen. Cold, distant, unhappy and lacking emotion. I told them that they were wrong, but I'm beginning to think it was I was the one who was wrong. You don't know me, and neither do they. You, you, don't, give anyone a, you don't give anyone the chance to get to know you. If you keep on pushing people away, you're going to end up all alone. Maybe I like being alone. 
Maybe, or maybe you're just lying to yourself. Eve cleans her hands with antibacterial gel. Sam turns around and leaves the room. Oh, so. When the fourth round, more about job. Don't you call in the. Eve looks back at her files. Eve cleans her mobile with an antibacterial wipe, throws the wipe in the bin, and then answers the phone and flicks through a file. Hey, baby. It's your mother. Tanya came around with the twins earlier. How are they? And dad? Oh, your dad and the girls are both good. Susan is so talkative, and Claudia is just like Tanya when she was that age. When are you going to settle down and have some kids of your own, Eve? You know, you're not getting any younger. How many times do I have to tell you, Mum, I don't want a husband and kids like Tanya? My job is more than enough for me, and Dad is the only guy I'll ever need in my life. Don't get me wrong, Eve. It's great that you've worked hard to become the best in your field, but there should be more to your life than just that. I mean, a woman Sorry. only has so... Sorry, Mum, I've got to go. Something's come up. Eve, what's wrong? You can't keep avoiding me like this. Bye, Mum. I love you. Say hi to Dad and the twins for me. Eve! I'm sorry, I have to go. Eve! Bye, Mum. Eve Hope disconnects the call, puts down her mobile, picks up the remote control, wipes it with an antibacterial wipe, throws the wipe in the bin, and turns up the volume on the TV. She then puts down the remote control, cleans her hands with antibacterial gel, and watches the reporter. The crowds have queued up here in their hundreds to welcome home the first civilian space tourists. Some of them have camped out for the last few nights in the hopes of being the first to see the Titan spaceship land on this airstrip. The atmosphere here is quite simply euphoric. Titan is the first of its kind. Never before have civilians been able to travel deep into space. This stop, is... Stop filming, please. Everybody has to leave immediately. Who the hell are you and what the hell are you doing? Can't you see that this is a live broadcast? I work for the airfield security department and I'm sorry, but everyone must leave immediately and that means you too. You will be sorry when you lose your job and you're sued for... I'm sorry about that. We'll tell you more about that story a little later. But for now, it's over to Kelly Shields with today's weather. Thank you, Mark. I'm afraid we're going to have another wet and dismal day in London tomorrow. A few hours later, the Titan soars through the Earth's atmosphere. Whilst it flies through the sky of London, the pilot struggles to keep control of the spaceship. Silence is a prayer in his mind as he approaches the airfield. He lands the spaceship with a thud. Scientists jump out of the truck and quickly put out the burning engine. All of the scientists have gloves on their hands, full body protective suits, masks that cover their heads and oxygen tanks on their backs to provide them with clean air. Bravo team, get the bleach baths out and make sure everyone washes their shoes in them. We cannot afford to have any mistakes. That's it. Everyone's used the bleach blast. Great. 
Assemble the portable quarantine passageway from the back of the truck to the door of the Titan spaceship. The scientists assemble the passageway and secure it to the area around the door of the Titan spaceship and the back of the truck with airtight industrial suction cups. The scientists then wash their hands with a 0.05% chlorine solution and open the door of the Titan. They then transport the crew and the passengers of the Titan in separate portable miniature quarantine tents to a portable quarantine unit which is in the back of the truck. Hi, my name's Jonathan Poku and I'm the writer and the director of this podcast. If you would like to be informed about competitions, exclusive content and information about this show and other shows created by JKP Films, please go to www.jkpfilms.com and subscribe to our mailing list via the subscription box which is at the bottom of the page. In addition, if you would like to help us to continue to make this podcast and other projects, please feel free to go to www.jkpfilms.com and to donate as little or as much as you would like via the donate button which is at the bottom of the page. Please believe me, all donations are always appreciated. Oh yeah, if you would like to contact us, please email us at inquire at jkpfilms.com. Thank you so much and I can't wait to hear from you. Don't give up on your 